Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And when we started this, which we, this is just our second week to do this, but uh, when we started it, we uh, said that for a time, for a season, what we were going to do is once a month we were going to teach on healing, which we did that week before last, before Brother Dixon was here. And then once a month we was going to teach on prosperity, and once a month teach on prayer, and I don't even know what the other one. We're going to do something else on the fourth week, okay? And those are in no particular order, whatever order the Holy Ghost <coughs> gives us <clears throat> for that month. But uh, this is going to be prosperity night tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, a few days ago, I believe it was last week, yeah, towards the end of last week, I was meditating on, in my prayer time, uh, I, I believed God in 1999 for a paid-for house. And I was meditating on that. And just thinking about it and just, praying in tongues and and just uh just thanking God and uh God the Holy Ghost began to give me some instructions and I thought well wow you know and I thought you know he just just a list just started coming to me and I just started writing it down and uh, I thought it was just for me and pastor just a checkup list you know you have to sometimes you need to go down a checklist and check up on yourself uh, anybody in here believing for a paid-for house? Hallelujah. I see several hands. But you know, you could apply this to any faith project that you have, and I trust that all of you have a faith project of some sort. So uh, uh, the Lord began to give me this in uh, six, six instructions, six instructions that for me for a paid-for house, but for any six instructions for any faith project. And so... Uh, uh, I began, though, after I got it, I thought, you know, I, this is, I believe this is for the church. And I specifically said, oh, you know, that's the prosperity teaching for this month. So uh, praise God. Hallelujah. I want you first, how many of you know that you cannot believe for anything that if you don't know it's the will of God? I mean, that is just the cardinal rule of faith. So you can't believe for a yacht. I mean, you can if God speaks to you and tells you He wants you to have a yacht for some reason. Then you can believe for it. But you can't find that in the Word, so you can't just randomly start picking out luxury items and say, I'm going to believe God for them. Hallelujah. Uh, <coughs> praise God. A lot of people want to do that, and they want to slap on there. God gives you the desires of your heart. And uh, I'm not saying you might not ever make it work, but I can just tell you, you won't be able to make it work every time because you, do, you have to find out the will of God on, on, on situations. So, uh, and, and specifically, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says that, uh, <clears throat> let's see, let me, I was going to quote it, but I'll just turn there. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, this is the confidence this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So if we know it's His will, when we ask, then we know He heard. Uh, and if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So we need to know if it's God's will for us to have a paid-for house. I mean, if we can, we find that in the Word. We need to know that. And I believe from the Word of God that we can prove with 
two or three different scriptures, we can put two or three scriptures together and, and, and come to the conclusion that it is the will of God for His people, His people, those that are in covenant with Almighty God to have a paid-for house. And, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 8... Hallelujah. Now, what kind of house, what price of house, you're going to have to clear that by praying in the Holy Ghost and praise God. I do know this, that if you start putting a lot of conditions on things, it'll take you longer. I know one time some people were believing for a, a, a baby, and they had so many conditions on that baby of what its sex it had to be and what color hair it had to have and what color eyes it had to have. And I, uh, the Lord gave me a word for them. And he said this to my heart. He said, Debbie, if you didn't have a dress, you didn't own a dress, and you needed a dress, and you asked me for a dress, he said, Debbie, if you didn't have a dress at all, would it really matter what kind of dress that you had? I said, no, Lord. And he said, but if you had 20 dresses in your closet, but you just wanted a red polka dot dress with a red big old red bow in the front hallelujah you know a mini mouse dress i guess that's what it was. hallelujah and you wanted that he said you could ask me for that and i might uh, you know i not might i i could get that for you but it's going to it's going to stretch your faith a lot more take you a lot it's going it takes longer when you when you have it so narrow for god and so I talked with these people about that. And I said, hey, you know, just get wide open. Praise God. And, you know, but that didn't help and that didn't work. And so, but I was just trying to help them. Just trying to help them get the desires of their heart. But many times we've just made things too narrow for God. And it could be the same way with the house. Deuteronomy eight twelve, It says, uh, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwell therein. Now he, this is a long passage of scripture, and what, the, what he's actually telling them in this scripture is, he's telling them, when you have prospered, when you've prospered, and he says, don't forget who it was. Uh, he goes on a long spell, but um, in the, it ends in verse 18. It's, but when thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So he's talking about a covenant here. And one of the things he lists in this covenant in verse 12 is goodly houses. When thou hast built goodly houses. So, and, and dwelt therein. And then he says, be sure you don't forget then. And don't begin, don't begin to say it was by your own might or the strength of your own hand. But we don't want to go really go into that tonight. We just want to establish the fact that by covenant there's prosperity and by covenant there are uh, there's goodly houses for his people in that covenant. And then over in Deuteronomy 28 12. So we, uh, and then there's another scripture. I didn't look this one up. I kind of forgot about it till just now. But there's a scripture in uh, Proverbs that talks about that he, 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 he makes a home for the sparrow. And you know, another place in Matthew, it says how we're much more than the sparrows. So we know it's God's will for us to have a home, a house. Hallelujah. So, and here he says that you would build goodly houses. That would be under the covenant. And then in Deuteronomy 28, 12, also under the covenant. And we know we're under this covenant because in Galatians 3, 13, it says uh, uh, <coughs> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. 
Hallelujah. And then it says, they that be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so we know we, we are in this covenant too. And so Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. So praise God, we know that God's best and his highest under covenant is for us not to have had to borrow, not to borrow. Of course, God's best would be for us to have the money just to go buy a house and pay cash for it. But under that, his next best would be for us to pay off uh, a house. And you know, you don't, it's, some people say, well, you know, you shouldn't even get a mortgage. You shouldn't even, uh, you shouldn't even buy a house with a mortgage. But uh, God, is, God expects us to be wise. And that's taking scripture out of context to say that. And so, of course, we shouldn't, we, we don't want to be in a lot of debt and stuff, but um, hallelujah. But we, uh, many times it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a wiser situation to, to finance a house and have a mortgage payment, which you can deduct the interest on your income tax and so forth like that. So people have bought houses and I know even uh, brother Copeland, now he teaches and he didn't, he didn't pay a mortgage. He didn't use a mortgage. He always paid cash. He didn't, he rented a house until he could pay cash. That's basically what he did. And one time he needed a house so bad that his dad said, well, if I buy it and you rent it from me, well, uh, would that be okay? And he said that'd be fine. So he didn't do that. But I tell you what, his daughter, George and Terry, George and Terry Pearsons went to Brother Copeland and said, you know, because they preached this and said, Daddy, uh, can we, uh, can we, uh, more, can we get a mortgage and get a house? You know, we need some place to live. And he said, yes, you can, as long as you acknowledge that it's not God's highest and best for you to have a mortgage and you believe him to pay it off. Okay, so, uh, uh, you know, praise God. That's what they did. Uh, <coughs> hallelujah. So it is uh, God's will for us to have a house, a goodly house, and it's God's will for us not to owe anybody. That's his highest and best will, and, so, and that's covenant. And so I believe, based on those scriptures, we have a right, and we can prove scripturally that, it's God's that God wants us to have a house and that God wants us to have a paid-for house. Okay? Hallelujah. Now there's other scriptures in Nehemiah 5, and this is actually one that I have been standing on. Nehemiah is right before Job, which is right before Psalms. No, Nehemiah is right before Esther, which is right before Job, which is right before Psalms. I know it was in there somewhere. Nehemiah 5. Nehemiah 5 verse 3. Can anybody find Nehemiah in this church? Y'all just writing down the scripture and going to listen. Hallelujah. Some also there were that pay that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might be buy corn because of the dearth. Now, uh, this is actually uh, the children of Israel, and and uh, and he said, They said, We and there, and he said, They said, We mortgaged our houses that we could because there's been a dearth in the land, uh, and uh. We mortgaged our houses and we owe this money because of this dearth. And so, and then verse 11, it says, Nehemiah says, Restore, I pray you, to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses, also the hundredth part of the money and the corn, the wine and the oil that ye exact of them. And then they said, We will restore them and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I, and so goes on 
uh, so, so forth. So I believe we have scripture to believe, be, believe for a paid for house. And I believe even here in Nehemiah, we have scripture to believe for a supernaturally paid for house. Not just that you, uh, not just that you, uh, and it, God can do it two ways. He can prosper you so much. You know, and but he, but I just never like to leave out the supernatural out of it. You know, he can prosper so much that we just double up on payments and stuff. That's great. That's that's holy. That's righteous. But I don't think in these days, in these last days that we're living in, that we should leave the supernatural out. Okay, so I'm going to give you six things the Lord spoke to me, and this was just a checkup for me. Uh, number one, and, and maybe some of you are believing for a paid-for house, but you really hadn't done these things. And so if you hadn't, then you need to set aside a time, be with the Lord, and go through these things and do these things. Uh, number one, uh, believe you receive. Mark eleven twenty four. Now, we're not ever going to get anything by faith until we, we have to always start at Mark eleven twenty four, don't we? Hallelujah. So in Mark eleven twenty four, he says, uh, uh, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Whatsoever things ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, you know, I want you to notice here that it doesn't say believe that you have it. And you know, this is a, you know, this is kind of a nitpicky point, but I was listening to Brother Hagen, an old set of tapes of his called Seven Most Important Things About Faith. That was the name of the series. And one of the things he said is that when you pray, God didn't ask you to believe that you had it. He asked you to believe that you received it. And there's a difference. And it doesn't even say if you believe you receive it, then you have it. It says if you believe you receive it, what does it say? You shall have it. Hallelujah. And sometimes I think even with healing, instead of doing what the Bible says, which is I believed I received when they prayed. I believe I received when I prayed or they prayed or when they laid hands on me. I believe I received when they laid hands on me. We go around saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I know I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. I know I'm healed. And really that's not what God asks us to do. And sometimes you say, yeah, but if you believe you received it, doesn't that mean you have it right now? It means, no, it means you believed you received it and you know you shall have it. I believed I received when they prayed. Now, I, I used that principle many, many years ago. I was in uh, Odessa, Texas in a Larry Hutton meeting, and I had this, I'd had this knot come up on my uh, little finger, and I had a, 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 uh, I had a little pinky ring that Pastor had gave, given me. It was uh, gold with a little dove hanging on it. It was a James Avery, and there's a new James Avery jewelry store in uh Birmingham now at the summit. Just thought y'all want to know that little tidbit. <laughs> Hallelujah! But it was a nice, it was a nice ring. I still have it. Still wear it sometimes. And uh, anyway, but couldn't get it on my finger because that knot had come up on my finger. And uh, 
you know, so Larry Hutton laid hands on me. I said, you know, I got this knot on my finger. And he had had us do something before he prayed for us. He said he had us begin to confess. And so for about 10 minutes while we were waiting for him to pray for other people and stuff, we said, we said over and over, the ones that were going to get prayed for, we said, uh, when he laid hands on me, I'll receive my healing. When he laid hands on me, I'll, we said it over and over. And then he gave us instructions that when we left that place to just keep saying, I believed I received when he prayed, and I just thank you, Lord, for my healing. I believed I received when they prayed, and so for I went around for about six months. And Christmas Eve, I just was looking in my jewelry box to put on my jewelry, and I thought, hmm, and that was about August, and this was Christmas Eve. I thought, oh, I wish I could wear my little ring, and went to put it on, and it was gone. Just not looking at it, not paying any attention to it. Just over, just if I thought of it, I just said, I, I believed I received when he prayed. And I just thank you, Lord, I'm healed. And so I learned those, that principle uh, way back. So the Lord just reminded me the other day to believe you receive when you pray. Hallelujah. And then number two, get completely willing and obedient. Now Isaiah 119 gives us this principle. Isaiah 119. I'm getting a Joe Morris Bible. I'm getting pages that fall out. And don't have to get me some duct tape or something. Or what is uh, something? Isaiah 119. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, so we need to get completely willing and completely obedient. See, I think it's really foolish of us and I don't I want to be wise not foolish but it's so foolish of us to believe that God's going to do huge supernatural things for us with us often doing our own thing and so we just have to get completely willing and completely obedient and uh you know sometimes you can be going through the motions of being obedient but in your heart you're really not willing you're just you know you've gotten a bad attitude in your heart and we've all been there We've all been there when, man, you, you were doing it all but, all, but boy, your attitude. So we need to get completely willing and not just, and then I've seen people that are, oh, pastor, I'm just so willing. I'm just so willing to help you. Just call me if you need me. But they never really had follow through. And so it's not just being willing, but it's being willing and obedient. And so, you know, the Lord just was calling me, get a checkup here, Debbie. Are you in my will, doing my will, and you're completely willing, and you're completely obedient to my will? Because it's, you know, being in the perfect will of God, not just in the good will of God, and not even just in the acceptable will of God. The acceptable is way broader than the perfect and we get these we get these supernatural things in our lives when we when we line ourselves up with heaven okay number 3 and then the lord said and some of these you may think are kind of repetitive but they really have a little bit different slant on them number 3 is believe and keep on believing so we believed we received but we need to believe and keep on believing because it's real easy in a church service when the anointing's there to believe and I believe I receive and praise God, but then to go out and listen. And right now, I think the Lord's really was telling me this to say, uh, Debbie, you got to stay really steady in these days that we're in because it'd be so easy to slip in my believing and keep on believing to slip in that because of the economy, 
because of man, what they're saying about housing. And, and, uh, and then even I believe there's things coming uh, on the earth. The prophets are just yakking right now about the things that are coming. Um, and, uh, you know, we in the United and and I don't believe they're necessary, they're not coming on us as Christians, but we're in this United States and in this world, and there's a lot of stuff going to be going on around us in these last days. There's going to be plenty for the eyes to see, plenty for the ears to hear, to distract us, to get us where we're not really believing with the tenacity that we once were. We're not active and, and just strong about our believing, but instead we have just let the world sway us hallelujah you know in a lot of circles you could just in, in a lot of circles folks even church circles you could be persecuted and ridiculed for believing for a paid-for house in fact uh, Eric was telling us recently about something he listened to on the internet somebody preaching and he said this man said we're not that health and wealth gospel we're far from it I sure wouldn't tell you that you can have a house uh, I think he said a uh, million dollar house or something like that that you could have a million dollar house when Jesus didn't even have anywhere to lay his head of course we've been taught better in this church we know that's not what that scripture's talking about why don't they use that scripture when they said to Jesus they said well where do you live and he said come and see why don't they use that instead of well foxes have holes and whatever that he said and and the son of man has nowhere to lay his head he just meant that night in that house he he in that town he was being rejected and refused in that town and he was saying wow i don't even know where i'm gonna sleep tonight you know praise god peter had a house hallelujah we know that Jesus went there and preached and healed his mother-in-law at Peter's house. But anyway, even from the religious community, you can be persecuted for believing for a paid-for house. But and I will tell you, you don't have to cast your pearls before swine. Hallelujah. I wouldn't tell everything I was believing for if I was you. Hallelujah. You don't even have to. I, we don't tell everybody we know we're a preacher. I mean, the whole mood can change. When, I mean, the whole mood you have to be, you know, most, you have to be kind of a committed Christian not to be scared of the preacher. Oh, we used to just, when I was growing up, we dreaded when the, somebody, the preacher knocked on the door or any other, the visitation crew. Oh, my word. You know, my, we had to sweep up all the cigarettes and, you know, hallelujah. Not my cigarettes, but you know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, so, uh, you just can't faint. In John eleven forty, Jesus said to them, He said, uh, "Didn't if, didn't I tell you that if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God?" Now, this is not talking about believing for just a few minutes there in church when everybody else is in faith. And this is an atmosphere of faith. And I tell you, it is so easy to believe here because it's an atmosphere of faith. But it's, you can walk out the door and the devil slap you across the face. With a thought of unbelief I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I mean, we're not believing for that, but sometimes it's happened to me, hadn't it to you? Before you got home, boy, you left here, you just, woo-hoo! Before you got home, you'd done got in a fight with your husband. None of y'all ever did that, did you? No, no. Or you'd whap the kids four times across the back seat. Woo! Hallelujah. I was good at that. 
you know, driving and fanning your, fanning your hand in the back seat. Of course, you know, they, they dodged. They weren't, they weren't going to let it hit them. But I was a fanning at it because, you know, and it's just, do all kids do this because I was riding down the road with Caitlin just yesterday and the car is just rocking just like this and I remember oh, it brought back memories because we had that little cavalier and we'd go to Lubbock and Eric and Colin and be I don't know what they is doing to each other they is doing it quiet but they was just you know and and our little car would just, I mean you're just practically seasick because the car is rocking and so I said Caitlin you're rocking the whole car she's in the car by herself I'm in the front seat. She's in the back seat. And she says, my mama tells me the same thing. <laughs> oh. But anyway, um, so it's, oh, my point is, it's real easy to faint, to get into unbelief. Because even sometimes, or you know, or you do something wrong, and then all of a sudden you're under condemnation. You ever get under condemnation? Oh, man. And then your faith just like, oh, you know. And so we need to quickly repent. And, you know, it's real good to quickly repent So, for the main reason to stay out of condemnation because condemnation sure hinders our faith. So over in Hebrews 3, 6, while you're there, just repeat though, Jesus said, if you would believe, I believe the connotation there is keep on believing. You will see the glory of God. And he kind of, he was really getting on to him. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? If you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. Hebrews 11, oh no, Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, 6. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hebrews 3, 6. Thank you, Lord. Y'all pray for Eric. He needs a Bible. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm teasing you. Hebrews 3, 6. Hallelujah. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, listen to this, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. You know, it's, it's easy to start in faith. Oh, it's so easy to start in faith. But those that win are the ones that end in faith. And so he said, okay, who, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. And that's one way to know if you're in faith is are you rejoicing? Because faith is not moaning and groaning, folks. I know I've done plenty of moaning and groaning myself, but when I'm doing that, that's not when I'm in faith. You know, rejoicing of the hope firm. Firm, he said, firm unto the end. So it's important that we don't just start in faith, but that we end in faith. Hallelujah. And so in order to do that, we're going to be, uh, you are going to have to, well, let me not get ahead of myself. Okay, number four, lean not unto your own understanding. Turn to Proverbs 3. You know, there's a temptation. Now, this is going to weaken your faith if you do this. But in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. See, when you start trying to figure it out, how he's going to do it, that's leaning to your own understanding and it weakens our faith to do that. Because I can look around real quick and go, mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, I, oh, they, don't, they couldn't do it if they wanted to. They don't want to, I know. 
uh, you know, boy, you can really get in your own understanding and you can really damage your faith. So you have to really guard your mind and say, no, I believed God. I believed I received when I prayed. And I am not going to lean to my own understanding because it's up to me to figure out how God could do it or would do it or even should do it. That's not up to me. That's totally up to Him. Now, that's with anything you're believing for. You don't have to figure out how He's going to do it. Praise God. And I, and I heard, uh, and I agree with this. I totally agree with this. At, the, at, at, at Bible school, uh, it was on that first CD of Bible school um, with Jeff Collins. And Jeff Collins said, you know, start with a pair of socks and a pair of house shoes believing for. It's not wise to start with a million dollar house. I'm believing for a million dollar house. In fact, I didn't start believing for a paid for house till 1999. That was, you know, I've been living in a house a lot of years, but I, I, I built some of my, I built some faith up. I, I had some faith projects that I've done. And so have you. You've had some faith projects. And if you hadn't, you need to get you some faith projects that you work on and get some little answers. And if you've never got little answers, then you know, you say, well, if your faith won't work on little things, it's not going to work on big things. And the first faith project usually takes longer than any of them. I remember Mark Brzee talking about in Tulsa when he was going to Ramah. I think he was in the very first class of Ramah. And that he started believing God for a pair of socks, wasn't it? A pair of black socks or something. He just, he needed everything. He was desperate. He needed some dress socks. And so he was believing God for a pair of black dress socks. I believe it took him six months to believe those suckers in. And you know, that was like 1968 or something, wasn't it, when Ramah started? 74. How much could a pair of black dress socks have cost? But you know, when you're believing, so it, so it wasn't a lot of money, but when you're believing for somebody to hear from God and go and purchase you a pair of black dress socks, you know, and, and he was new at faith, huh? And send them or bring them, whatever. It's, you know, so develop, you're going to have to develop your faith. So, you know, if, if, you know, you might need to talk to the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, you know, do I need to do anything to develop my faith? And uh, one of the things that has developed our faith through the years is giving. You know, just stretching out there to give what we didn't think we had. Hallelujah. And then seeing God work and seeing things work out in our behalf. Okay, so uh, lean not to your own. Don't try to figure it out. Put no limitations on God. Don't put any limitations on Him. This, this goes back to not leaning to your own understanding. Don't put limitations on Him by trying to figure out who it is and what it is and when it is. You're gonna, if you put a date on it, you're going to be messed up. I can just about tell you. Number five, pray out the plan. This is a, the step that most people miss it on. They believe they received all right. And, you know, they're even pretty willing and pretty obedient. And uh, uh, they may even be not leaning to their own understanding. But when we get down here to uh, pray out the plan, most people hadn't done any of that or very little. In Isaiah 62.10, if you'd turn there with, hallelujah. And not, you may not, you need to write in your Bible out beside this verse that it's talking about prayer. Just write the word prayer out beside it because that's what it's talking about. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way, 
of the people, cast up, cast up a highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. So this is talking about prayer. And it's got principle about prayer in it. And we know it's true when praying for people that many times in prayer you have to clear the way for them. Hallelujah. In order for them to come into the kingdom of God and to get saved, you got to... It's not enough, folks, and I know you know this, especially those of you that have gone to Bible college, but all of you should know this. I think we've made this clear. Is It's not enough to just say, Lord, save so-and-so. God's already willing to save. So we have to think up a new prayer. And he told us some ways to pray for those that are unsaved. And we're not going to cover that tonight because it's not prayer night. But anyway, we can take this scripture. This scripture has something to do with that. But this scripture also has something to do with any faith project that we're on that, you know, a lot of times there's things blocking. God is not withholding from us. He withholds no good thing, the Bible says, from them that walk uprightly. And if He's put it in your heart to believe Him for a paid-for house or any other thing, he's, he, 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 if He put it in your heart, then He wants to do it for you. You don't have to convince Him to do it, beg Him to do it. But what you have to do is you have to prepare the way for Him to do it. you got to clean out the gutters. you got to clean out the... I wrote it down this way. This way it came to me in the Holy Ghost. Dig the trenches. We have to dig the trenches for the water to flow in, the Holy Ghost River to flow in. We have to open the gates. We have to hold the blood against all blockages. Hold the blood of Jesus against all blockages and clean the pipes. And we need to do this every day because you can clean the pipes one month and the devil clog them up the next. We are The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And if we're going to get the things God has promised us, there is going to be a wrestling. And it's going to be a wrestling, we're not with God... Not trying to talk him into doing what he already said in his word. That he would supply all of our need and all those things. The wrestling is with the devil. He's the one that's trying to stop it. Our wrestling is not, well, my boss, he's just so contrary. And he's just done this to my salary and he's done that and he changed this and it's just not fair. If you get bogged down in that, you will just be stagnated. You got it. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not that your boss that's uh, come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the devil. And the devil may be using him. He may not know any better. Amen? But you, when you don't go fighting a man, you got to fight the devil over what's yours. And so that's what you got to do is you got to pray out the plan. So you're going to have to spend some time on this thing. Praise God. Clearing out. Up, you know, uprooting, plucking out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, praying over people that, that the devil could be blind in their mind. If God shows you somebody specific that, that, he, you, that, he, that you believe that he showed you that he wants to use in your life to bless you financially, I'll tell you who... You want me to tell you who God wants to use in your life to bless you financially? Every person you know. Every relationship. I don't care if it's 25 years ago and you hadn't seen them in 20 or heard for them in 25 years. I'm calling that in, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Some of the people we ministered to in West Texas didn't have a, 
uh, I might not <laughs> a pot to cook in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we were ministering to them, they were, and now they, they made it. We taught them the word. Bring it on, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is the gospel truth. I mean, one of the families in our church in West Texas, when they came in, oh, they were poverty. They had on, oh, blue jeans, T-shirts. Uh, there was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people living in a mobile home in that family, mixed family living in one mobile home. They had moved from Oklahoma, just like the Okies. You know how the Okies move? My daddy, you taught me this all my life. You ever saw somebody driving down the road, had a uh, mattress on top of their car or their pickup? My daddy would say, that's an Okie. <laughs> that's what he'd say. He just did that to aggravate my mother because she was from Oklahoma. But uh, hallelujah. And they got divorced. Maybe it was because of that. No, I'm, it wasn't because of that. But anyway, he was an Okie. And so you, these Okies, the, the, they moved to to, to Seminole in uh, like that and they came to our church and uh, hallelujah and their little son his t-shirt was really nice it was the Coors Bear pottying into the stream we were like oh hallelujah thank you Jesus <laughs> I mean sometimes you know I have learned I have learned the lesson that some of the people that come in looking the worst end up being the most faithful and, boy, and, and taking you to the next level financially and helping you, really helping you. And people come in. That's why the Bible says don't be partial. Them come in with a ring on their hand, you know, and it's like, oh, come right up here and sit. And they won't be there the next week, so you wasted your time. A lot of times that is how it is. Hallelujah. We're not glad for that, but it is the truth. And uh, people come, and I know one lady came to our church in West Texas. Now, we're still friends with this lady and her husband. And she was nutty as a fruitcake. She was so messed up with new age and stuff like that, and I was scared of her. She was so crazy, I was scared of her. And she came for a while, and she said, I'm moving back to Nebraska to... Uh, because uh, my mother's dying, and I thought, good. <laughs> Not because her mother was dying, good that she was moving back. But then she's gone about six months, and here she came again. Mother died, and she moved back. And I'm like, oh, my word, here she is. No, oh, her and her husband turned out, and, and she is living with this guy named Paul. And so, and so finally, they, and so Paul, he, he, he'd come to church, and he had been in Vietnam, and if you walked up too close too fast, he was a little jumpy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he did not like this, because at our church, everybody would hug everybody, and boy, he didn't like anybody hugging him, you know. So pastor, so about six months or a year passed, and they, said, they told pastor, said, well, we want to get married. They've been living together. And pastor said, well, I ain't going to marry you till you move apart for two months. And so somebody in the church loaned Becky, Becky's six two or something, loaned her this little bitty travel trailer. Her feet hung off the end of the bed, but she moved, she did it. And you know what? Those are some of the best folks in all the world. Hallelujah. Next to y'all, they're just prince and princesses. So it's just like we can't lean into our own understanding. And we pray these things out. I don't know how I got on that. Number six, obey 
obey, obey. We already talked about obey and be willing and obedient. But here's what the Lord said to me about this. Number six is that you have to stand ready and alert to be obedient just like that. In other words, John 2, 5 is what it says. He says, Mary, the mother of Jesus, you know, when she was wanting him to turn the water into wine because they were out of wine, she told those servants, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. And that's how we have to be. We have to be expecting instructions every day. And just listening and Lord God, anything you tell me to do, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Because instructions are coming, like Pastor said. So uh, that's what God gave me on how on sick. Now I know that there's probably some other things on getting your house paid for, but they all fall under that obedient thing. They're gonna be personal to you. He's gonna tell you to obey. Hallelujah. And so you and he's gonna give you some instructions of something to obey. You know, one of the things the Lord told Pastor to do this year was so or so's the word. So we've been sending CDs. Uh, out from this church, some of them us preaching, but some of them like E.L. Cole and stuff, and we've been sending them to the far corners of the earth. If we know somebody in any state that used to be, that we know is interested even remotely in the Word of God, and then some of you have been told us people, I'd like for so-and-so to have some, and we've sown them into their lives. And you know, it's been remarkable what we have gotten feedback. We have gotten people write us letters. People have sent uh, checks in the mail, hallelujah, and uh, and praise God. And we're not doing it for that. We don't care. We, don't, we want to sell the word and get the word out there. And there's a lot of people that are starving for the word of God. They really are. And even if they're going to a church somewhere or, uh, uh, you know, somehow they've gotten disconnected with, with uh, this kind of word where we teach faith and they've gotten disconnected and they were in our past and we're just, we got their address from sending Christmas cards or something to them. So we just put them on a list and we send them and we're just, it's, it's amazing what God's been doing. And that's just a part of being obedient for us at this time. Hallelujah. And um, I don't know what God's going to tell you to do. But he's going to tell you to do something. So do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And I just want to challenge you with something else. Is And this goes back to being willing and obedient. You have to hold things real loosely. If you want God to prosper you and use you, you cannot be all caught up in things. Material things. And that doesn't mean God's not going to bless you and give you some. But anytime you start loving something, Besides God, you're already way off in trouble. I mean, you have, and I have had, I have lately started trying to train myself to quit saying, oh, I just love my whatever. I just love my car. I just love my, I just love, I don't, I say, no, I don't love it. I like it. I like that, Lord. It really blesses me. But I don't love it. I love you. I love the word. I don't love it. And not letting things get in your heart. And uh, so, um, Pastor and I have told you this before about holding things loosely. And so we try to hold things really loosely. And what we've been doing lately is, and we've done this with our house. We complain, you know, because I don't really care if the house I'm in now is my paid for house. I just want my paid for house. Hallelujah. And I believed I received a paid for house. I didn't even believe it necessarily would be this one. I don't know. But and one thing Pastor and I have done is we've taken just about everything we own in the last six months and we've just lifted it up to God and just said, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. And here's what the Lord put in my heart about it is, uh, do I give it, do I sell it, or do I keep it? 
And you know, one of us, one thing is, most of us are over, over, over cluttered with junk and stuff. And uh, God, I don't, hadn't had a garage sale in a long time, 10 years at least, uh, over 10 years. And uh, I just said, I got to have a garage sale because this is, and so I'm working on it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to have this garage sale or not, but I can't park in my garage, I'll tell you that. Because I said, I just need to get free. And so I would look at stuff and say, do I give it, do I sell it, or do I keep it? And you know, God's not going to strip you down to you can't, don't have nothing. But some of us need to strip down a little bit. you got to take care of all that stuff. you got to dust it. It's messing up your closets. It's making you look like you live. You know, some of you could go on that show on TV. It says, I, ha I, ha I have a confession. I have a, uh, you know, what is that? What do I say? Hoarding problem. I have a hoarding problem. Some of you might could go on that show and be on there. Maybe I think they, I think the going rate for being on one of those shows. I read this is five thousand dollars an episode. You could make five thousand quick dollars by going on there because I think some of us might qualify, you know. And um, you know there was this one guy on there, and literally he had to crawl out his window to get on his back porch. He couldn't go out through the back door. Hallelujah. He would, he would crawl out the window. He couldn't take a bath in his shower. He had to go to, he was a member of a health club. And every day he got his toiletries together and went to the health club and took a shower because he couldn't get in his bathtub. And you know, somebody had to come in and rescue him and just help him clean his bathtub out. And he couldn't get in his kitchen. He couldn't cook a meal. And uh, you say, well, I, I'm not that bad. Well, no, but... We got the Holy Ghost. So do I give it? Do I sell it? Do I keep it? And, and, the, and the thing this does for you is, is it gets you not attached to things. Lord, it's all yours. Don't really care about any of it. You know, you might as well get where you don't care about it. You're fixing to leave it all. And Brother Copeland says it's fixing to be the biggest garage sale that ever was. They're just going to come and rifle through it. Y'all know, know that? All the sinners are going to come rifle through your stuff. Don't have anything there you don't want them to know about. Um, and, and you know, that goes with the, uh, the, here's what the Lord said to me. Everything you own or do, except your wife and kids. Anything you own, it, do I give it? Do I sell it? Do I keep it? Do I kill it? Do I feed it? Or do I keep it? Like hobbies, that's what the Lord told me about. I remember I said to him one time, what about this needlepoint stuff I do, Lord? And he said, don't kill it and don't feed it. Well, it's pretty much out of your life if you don't feed it and don't kill it. Uh, but so, hallelujah. That's what he said to me. Don't kill it, don't feed it. So just keeping these things real loose. Do you, want, do you want these things or not? You know, this is what the Lord said. Let's all give an offering tonight. We're closing. And then we'll come up around the altar and pray for a minute. And the Lord will tell you what he wants you to, not your wife, not your wife. What he wants you to get rid of, he might tell you something. Something you want to give you, he wants you to give away. Something he wants you to sell.